Hello and, and hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Friday Night Counter. It's like, oh, this pre-chat for the podcast has been fantastic and uh, we've got a great podcast for everyone listening today. The main topic of conversation will be the topic of streets we'll never forget. So this is something I've wanted to do for a long time and I've got my friend Zim back from Away Games podcast. It is Away Games. I haven't messed up by saying Away Yeah, games. no, you got it right. Don't worry. Yeah. You're all good. You're all good. I, on the first podcast when you had you on, I said away days and you like gave me the most PC look ever. I'm just like, oh, for God's sake, I I, I, ru- I ruined your name and you just were politely just nodding along. I'm, like, I'm so sorry for that. So I'm just glad that we were, we were okay to work together again. So Zim, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing today? You okay? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. All good. All good. All good. <laughs> yeah, it's been good, especially uh, since we watched AFCON together, the final, the penalties. That was a good time as well. Good vibes. Uh, good vibes indeed um but to begin the podcast um who we have today is we have a staff editor from the athletic yeah. uh anthony hayes so anthony is someone i've been following for quite a while to be fair has been around the journalistic scene for a, lo- a lo- long period of time and um it's quite nice to have another journalist on the podcast so anthony thank you very much for your time how are you doing today i'm all good other than the united result i'm all good but yeah thanks for having me and i'm looking forward to it no that's brilliant i'm looking forward to having a conversation with you both as well and finally, we've got everyone's favourite uh, co-host from Away Games podcast joining, Sean, the only person yeah. on this podcast who isn't a Man United fan, so he's going to give us the whole podcast. But like I said, it's not about it's not about what's happening tonight or what happened yesterday. It's all about oh, the, it's all about the streets we'll never forget. Yeah, Sean, don't be celebrating too early, Sean. You got you could be losing to you could be losing to Liverpool tonight. You I, don't know what's gonna happen? It doesn't matter. I can celebrate today. I can celebrate. It's a, it's a free hit. It's a free hit. It is a free hit. We've been seeing a lot of our friends do free hits all the time because of Man United. But no, Sean, how's everything going? It's the first time I've seen you this year as well. So happy New Year! I know, happy New Year to you too. Long time, long time. Been been pending. It has been pending, but no, I'm looking forward to this because the last time we spoke, um, or a couple of times before we spoke, I was telling you about how Man United were kind of in a free-for-all after that Wolverhampton Wanderers game when you had a semi-decent team uh, facing up against us and we didn't really mm-hmm. turn up against them. And nope. the, the narrative has continued against like Manchester City and against... Uh, not so... Kind of against Tottenham, to be fair. I know we won the game, but we weren't great. And obviously nah, yesterday against Atletico Madrid as well. So, um, like yeah. I said before, the season was done in January and the hope is what killed us mostly, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Um, you guys were very hopeful. Um and unfortunately, you guys are now in your predicament. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. That, that's, a, that's a great start to the podcast. I, I knew it was going to be like this as well. I can't lie. I love it. I love it. I'm so happy for you guys. I'm so happy for you guys. You're the worst. You're, you're the worst. Because, you're the worst. Because the more you guys lose, the happier I am, especially with your big fridge Maguire in the back. Oh, don't get started on Maguire. Don't get started on Maguire. The, the way that, um, for, for anyone listening, Anthony um, was also at the game as well, just like myself as well. And Anthony will probably agree with me. When Maguire got subbed off as that fifth substitution for Juan Mata, the crowd were actually cheering. cheering. They were jeering him. They're like, yes, yeah. off the pitch. I thought that was just the TV. Oh, my God. No, it was loud. It was I loud. I'm sorry. I didn't join in, by the way, but Anthony, did you join in? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't turn against the United player, but I'm actually starting to feel sorry for him now. Like, he's the captain of the club and he's getting jeered and even being taken off. Like, you're supposed to be the captain, the leader. Sure, you'd want to be on until the end, the final whistle. And, like, he's having to go off because even, like, Varane had the armband at the end. So, yeah, it just shows that his, his time's nearly done probably at United. If anything, that signalled it as well because the fact that Diogo Dallo had 
quite a poor game yesterday as well. It shows that of all the five subs he could have made, he didn't bring on Aaron Bissaka as a change as well. And it kind of, kind of shows that our right-back situation has just been getting worse over the years. And it just hasn't improved yeah. for a number of years as well, which isn't the best. But um, uh, before we move on to the main topic of Streets Will Never Forget, I did want to talk to Anthony Hay, being a staff editor at The Athletic, just a bit yeah. more about life of a journalism, because it's, it's quite nice to get a journalistic point of view on a podcast. Mm. And um, I'm sure Zim and Sean will have a couple of questions as well, just for, yeah. uh, for yourself as well. But um, first things first, Anthony, how does it kind of feel like being a journalist who's a Man United fan at the moment? What's, what's the vibes like right now? To be honest, I hate it because every time you go into work, you're reading about United. It's all over the media at the moment, especially with like the managerial situation. We've had all the incidents at the club with like Greenwood and um, Cavani causing problems. So everything's negative at the moment. And when that's the case, you just want to like switch away from United and switch away from football. But obviously, it's my job. So like I have to read about United and I have to study like what's going on on a day-to-day basis. And I hear different stuff from like our United reporters, Laurie Whitwell and Carl Anker, and they tell me different stuff, which obviously some things can't report. But it just shows how toxic the club is. And when you support a club who you've grown up with and who've won titles every year. It's just horrible to see, really. But I think times will change, hopefully. Like, everything has its moment. And as you saw with Liverpool coming back into prominence, I'm sure we'll be back soon. But, yeah, it's not great at the moment, to be honest. Soon is such a subjective word. I heard soon, <laughs> like, 10 years ago. <laughs> We're still running this soon word, so not too sure about that. I, I heard Our soon problem. after Sevilla. I, have, I heard soon after losing to Barcelona. I'm, here, I'm hearing soon after Atletico Madrid. It's clear the Spanish teams are just killing us right now. Just I was actually at the Seville game as well when we got knocked but, out, so I must be the bad omen. <laughs> no, I, I was there as well for the Sevilla game, for the Barcelona game. It's both of you. The Londoners who support Man United, they're just not welcome at Old Trafford. That's, yeah. clearly, what it is. That's clearly what it is. It's just not the one at yeah. all. Um, but no, um, Zim and Sean, if you have any questions or anything for Anthony, just let us just fall, fall right in because I've got another one or two just to go through yeah. as well, Anthony. Yeah. And yeah. I just kind of want to know a bit more about um, how, how you became to become a staff editor at The, at the Athletic because it's quite a prominent news source nowadays and it's quite fascinating to see how it started as well. And it's very reliable and I, I can't really plug it because like, yeah. um, it is, it, it's kind of self-sustaining now, which is great. And the podcasts that you yeah. do are great as well. Yeah. Um, I just kind of wanted to know how your journey kind of went from just being like a starter uh, in the industry to kind of being a staff editor, because it's quite fascinating yeah. to me personally. Yeah, so I love sport and I love writing. So I thought sports journalism was always what I was going to study at uni. So I went to the University of Brighton. I studied there for three years, done an NCTJ course where you learn practical skills as well as uh, literal skills. Um, so I went from there, then I went to give me sport, and then I was at the Mail Online for six years, where I became an assistant sports editor. Fantastic. And I thought when the Athletic came about, it was just something so fresh and so new, and it, it's on the top of the game, basically. So I thought I wanted to join there. And luckily, the editor used to work for the Daily Mail. So I already knew a lot of the staff members there. So I managed to find a way in. And yeah, I've loved it, every minute of it. I think we produced the best content in the game. Like We got reporters like David Ornstein and... Um, yeah. James Horncastle, like, we've got some of the best talent in England. And I know, like, you've got to pay for the subscription, but I think it's worth the money because you're getting the best quality of writing. And we make sure we triple source everything. So everything should be fact-checked, like, three times. And like, any information we get, we check it out with two other sources as well. So we don't report stuff like what maybe, like, other publications would. 
after just like having one source, we make sure everything's thoroughly checked. Um, we hope that we don't put anything out that's wrong. Obviously, journalists can get stuff wrong, but I think our, our record's pretty good. Uh, you use the word in there, um, sorry to interrupt you, but you use the word in there no. saying refreshing. And I thought it was exactly the right time to use in terms of refreshing sports journalism. And in this, in this day and age of everyone trying to be first for breaking <clears> news, <throat> it was just refreshing to see, even if it's like an hour, two hours later, you're reporting it. But it's facts. It's not <clears> uh, gospel or anything like that. So for me personally, that's something that's been great to really see and really appreciate in, in sports journalism now as well. Yeah, because like the Daily Mail, the Daily Mirror, they're all put stuff out, but we try and take like take a few hours out and just really reflect on like the news and see if we can go at a, at a different angle because we know that customers will get the stuff from the Mirror and the Daily Mail for free. So we try and come up with a different angle to make sure that it's the same story, but we've got different information. We might have spoken to different people. So yeah, I think it is refreshing for the industry and. It's also boosted people in like the Daily Mirror and the Daily Mail because like, I left the Mail, so it's opened up positions for other people. So I think the Athletic's been good all around for everyone. Yeah, I, yeah. I think um, I, I sort of got two questions in a way. Um, is there a pro protocol for like when you publish something in the sense that um, you must like get some information fed down from like other people working in in the firm mm. and like. What's the protocol for you to put your name on a specific article, like rather than someone else who may have given you that information? And yeah, the second question is more like, did you have like a clientele list like of, of sources before going into the athletic, which kind of helps your CV? Or was mm. it, is it a case of like, now that you're in it, you're like bumping heads with like loads of people in the industry that you can get your like sources like reliably? Was it like- yeah that way or, or the other way first so I'm more of an editor so you'd have to speak to reporters about like their side of things but I think they just make sure that whenever they go somewhere they try and interlink and meet other journalists and other agents so they won't just get the angle from one perspective they'll speak to maybe a player's family member or they'll speak to an agent so they make sure everything's triple source because you can't just rely on one bit of information. Like you need to make sure that it's factually correct. So they'll speak to three people just to make sure everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet. Because if you put one source out, one person, the agent might have something to say, the player might have a different thing to say, and a family member might have a different thing to say. So just making sure that everything's aligned and that we're putting out the right information, basically. Yeah, makes sense. Brilliant, yeah, that's no. good. Sean, you had something yeah. to say, sorry. Yeah, not for me, somebody that um, has always got the headlines of The Athletic on my phone. I do find it actually quite informative because obviously as an Arsenal fan, I've followed a lot more of what David Ornstein has written about Arsenal, yeah. which has always been interesting. David Ornstein memes, sorry to interrupt, but that is just too <laughs> All those memes on deadline day, they're everywhere, I yeah. swear. No, but he's, he's when it comes to the Arsenal analysis, he's actually, he's somebody that's backed Arteta from the beginning, beginning and kind of why I've always backed Arteta as well because he's always had some kind of insider information about the whole process and just believing in it and trusting it so I'm somebody mm. that could definitely vouch that the Athletic is probably is the best outlet because I hate, I'm not going to lie to you so you work for the Daily Mail but I can't stand them yeah. <laughs> all the, all I left so it's alright it's fine <laughs> Former the, the, news that they, the kind of news that they just bring out is always like very like oh 
Rashford shouts at fans and it's like mm. yeah but it's, it's... <laughs> we were talking about that before you came <laughs> on as well we were literally talking about that I never it's, saw it but yeah they were saying it yeah. it's just ridiculous how they did the, this news just comes out and it's like oh yeah of course I'm guessing and there's always like a background story as well as the Athletic has never been about the hype it's nothing to do with that because I think yeah. one of the ones that I read the biggest one I ever read was Granit Xhaka's role and why Arteta kind of backs him so much mm. that was one of the times where even though I hated Granit Xhaka at the time I read it and I was like, I'm going to give him time. And that time is now coming to fruition because I'm seeing Granit Xhaka in a completely different light. He's yeah. finally found a manager that seems to work with him really well. Whereas I think Wenger worked with him well. Emery was not his manager at all. But Arteta has come back and been like probably the best manager he's had in his tenure at Arsenal kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, basically we're just more analytical. So like the Mail, with two different publications, but the Mail, they'll put stuff out straight away. They... Their journalists won't be able to work on stories for three days or like a week. Whereas our reporters, some some of the big reads, they'll be working on it for like two months mm-hmm. because we want to make sure that we're putting out content what's worth paying for. Whereas the Mail Online, they're all about clicks. They want people clicking on their website, reading their ads. So, yeah, we're two different complete models. Yeah. But I think there's space for both of us. Like Sometimes I read the Mail Online as well as the Athletic. So... I think some stuff they do well, but then other stuff we do really well. So, yeah, there's space for both of us. Definitely. How do you find it with all the Arsenal fans in your office right now? Is it quite annoying? It can be, but there's a big game coming up between us two, so we have to wait for that. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know about the top four race. Like We're both going to drop points. Like We're both as bad as each other, even though you're picking up momentum at the moment. You're picking up momentum. We but are we'll not be... the same. <laughs> <laughs> you like, you're gaster. It's only one point. It's only one point. We I know you've got games same. in hand, but like tonight, I'm sure you won't win. And then you've no, got two other hard that. games. So we'll two wait. Two other hard games? Who's that? Have you got two other hard games in hand? Is it Tottenham and who have you got? Liverpool or City? No, we've got Liverpool. Oh, Chelsea, is it? So we've got a medium and a... And a, and a so we've got you Chelsea. Just you just don't a, like you just don't like Chelsea. A good, no, Chelsea's a good team. I can respect Chelsea, but you know, Tottenham, then they're, they're not on the same level. They're, they've never been on the same level. The yeah, big game you've never had between us two. That's gonna be a shootout. Yeah, I'm actually excited to be in that game because I think um Arsenal have some revenge for the last game. Because you guys did rob us the last yeah. game. Like, <laughs> you did rob us. Yeah, it's a good game that when Ronaldo scored and it's free to old Trafford, which is good. Um, one last question before we move on to our main topic, Anthony, because I don't want this to make it be like a cliche interview where you've got three people interviewing you. Um, what, what are your thoughts on um, fans going into press conferences and like, like that kind of thing as well? Like, is that something that a lot, you can see a lot more people kind of doing? Because you see like YouTubers going into um, pod, uh, YouTubers and podcasters even going into uh, press conferences, interviewing the players and stuff like that. What are your kind yeah. of thoughts on that? And if it's a good, if it's a good response to it, how do I get involved and how do I get my press pass so I can start doing that kind of thing? <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, I don't think any fan off the street should be able to go into a press conference and ask questions. But I think if you're a prominent YouTuber, I think there is a space for you because you've got a massive following and you're going to ask questions what the traditional media probably won't want to ask. Um, so like people like Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV or like some of the United bloggers. Mm. I think it is good that they get to start coming into press conferences because there's room for traditional media and there's room for the new school media. Like, I think we can all mix. Like, it shouldn't just be so black and white in terms of questions. Like, some of the questions, what the media asks, can be quite bland because they don't want to rock the boat because, obviously, they're speaking to that manager every week. So they need to get stuff out of them. 
they need to get stuff out of the club. Whereas maybe like a, a blogger on a YouTube channel probably won't have that connection with the manager or the club. So they can ask more challenging questions. So I think that is good. Um, in terms of you, just keep growing your network, keep growing your YouTube channel, and I'm sure you'll have a platform to be able to go into United press conference or an Arsenal press conference. Yeah, because that was the main thing, really, because I'd like to kind of do that on like local levels as well. And because I live near um, Burton, where St. George's Park is in England, I'd mm. like to be able to do that on occasions in like the summer and the international break. And that's something that I've kind of looked into and I've contacted the FA and they're like, oh, yeah, you need like a, a portfolio of like work and stuff like that to get into it and get a press pass. So I'm like, is that kind of the main way in to kind of uh, kind of do that kind of thing? Or is there another kind of way to kind of do it from a podcaster's point of view, from the YouTuber's point of view? What I'd maybe suggest, do you live near Burton Albion? Is that, I take it? Uh, Burton, uh, the town. Yeah. I take it maybe just try and target like a League One club or a League Two club and have that platform where you can show like the FA that you've been asking questions to managers. Okay. And then they can see that you're not just anybody off the street. So, mm. yeah, I'd target League One, League Two clubs because basically League One, League Two clubs, they might have only two people in the press conference. So they'd be willing to open it up to other people more than like a Premier League club or a championship club. So yeah, if you've got a local League One club, then I'd target them. Port Vale, I'm coming for you. <laughs> you go for Millwall, you go for Tooting, all the local ones in South London. I'll go for like Port. Go Millwall. <laughs> Millwall, they'll love me at Millwall. It'll be great. Uh, it's literally, I'll fit in like a glove at Millwall. I love it. I love it. That side of the river. Now, as, as a North Londoner, it's like you always need a passport to cross uh, to South London, whatever I'm in London. I was telling Jim before as like well. An, anyone, no matter where you're from, needs a pass to go into Millwall, to be honest. Even if yeah. you're from South. <laughs> hostile, hostile. Just sort of they'll, they'll just know if you're not a Millwall fan, right? I'm just walking by and leave me alone. Listen, I'll just walk up in my Arsenal shit, me as well. <laughs> Your kids won't thank you. Sure, for that, never Sean. seen again. <laughs> Your kids really won't thank you for that, Sean. Oh, my days. Uh, but no, um, that was the last of my questions for Anthony. So if Sean and Dim had anything else um, to say about that, that but um, no, not really. Just, um, yeah, I rate what they're doing at athletics sort of similar to um, Sean's sentiment because I feel like it is the balance between the old generation and new generation of like media and it's very like credible sources yeah. you know there's some people um, outside like Fabrizio Romano and just mm. like some other journalists where it's all about the credibility and I feel like athletic as a whole that's they've got that in abundance so yeah just keep doing what you're doing yeah We're looking to expand as well because the New York Times have just bought us out. I'm sure you've all seen, but yeah, the New York Times have completed a deal to buy the Athletic. So I think it's going to be room for growth as well. So hopefully we just keep on proving, basically. If you ever need three new reporters, you're looking at them. (laughs) I bet that mind. You're looking at two very good ones and one quite suspect one as well. I'll let you figure out which one. One very suspect one. Oh, no, that's excellent. But no, that's Anthony Hay for anyone listening for our part on Life of a Journalism. So, Anthony, thank you very much for that. Now we're sure. getting into even more fun stuff because this is where we're kind of kind of in a... It's kind of a team game, this one, because we've got four and we normally do like a six-a-side of the week. But because this is such a big topic, um, Anthony, Sean and Zim, we're going to split off into two for this, uh, for this part of the podcast as well because this is a topic that we've been talking about since like December, January. Um, and it's something that we've wanted to do for quite a while and it's something that we're going to have to do in a couple of episodes but to start us off we're going to discuss just discuss our personal six sides between two of us 
Um, so I'd say Anthony and Ziv, you can go on one team and me and Sean will go on another team for mm -hmm. the streets will never forget. So these are people from different eras of the Premier League era where we're kind of thinking, you know what? That guy had a really good season that one time or he had a piece of skill that no one else could do at the time. And I'm just there kind of thinking there's so many people to go from. There's so many mm. different thought processes and it's across different eras as well. So uh, Anthony, I'm not going to ask you for your age, but I just wanted to know with your kind of era grow, uh, growing up, what was your kind of favourite, like, streets will never forget type of player? Because for me, my first kind of one was, like, Lauren Robert from Newcastle. And I thought he was a, an outstanding left-footed uh, winger for Newcastle. And they were in the Champions League and UEFA Cup at that point. So they were really... Mm. I just wanted to kind of know from just yourself, Anthony, who's the kind of first one that springs to mind for you? So in terms of, like, a flair player, like, maybe yeah. didn't last that long in the Premier League. Yeah. Um. I'd probably say someone like, I'm 30, by the way. So um, I'd say someone like JJ Okocha. Brilliant. Because he was at Bolton, but he had this flair about him, which no other player in the player in the Premier League had at that time. Like, like a really fresh African player who played with flair, like showed his character as well, which I think the Premier League's all about. It's about showing character, showing personality on the pitch, having flair and skill. And JJ Okocha was right up there with the best for me. Mm. Like, I know he didn't have a long career in the Premier League and he was at Bolton, but just some of the touches, some of the skills. And I think it brought on the European players as well because they saw that in the Premier League. They were playing with Okocha and they could see like how he brought his personality onto the pitch. And I think that's something that shouldn't be sniffed at. So yeah, JJ Okocha for me was right up there. Rainbow flicking over Arsenal defenders, you know. <laughs> Timeless. Yeah. You just see that on the Premier League years all the time, just like Okocha and Yorkay have under Sam Allardyce with Hiera at the back. Brilliant. That was some team, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. it's crazy how they were doing Big so Sam. Well. Big Sam at his peak right there as well, which is great. Um, so I'll, I'll let you take him for your team as well, so he can be like your captain or something like that, because he's someone that had to stand out in that way as well. Uh, Sean, I'll give you the honour of starting off for us as well. So who, you know. if you... If you had to pick one person who springs to your mind, who would it be and why? Do you know what? He's very hated. Many red cards, but many goals at the same time. Alan Smith. Leeds what? United. Alan Smith. <laughs> nah, you're joking. You're joking. You're joking. You're not picking, I... Alan, you're, you're picking Alan Smith Dude. as three Man United fans. You're literally doing that, I swear. Alan Smith. Alan Smith from switch. Leeds and Man United. This is crazy. Yeah. I, need, I need to hear no. this. I need to hear this. so left field. <laughs> not Man United one, because Man United has no effort team. But Leeds United... <laughs> Alan Smith, he was for a neutral, he was a cold baller. He was cold. Mm. He had goals. He was the um a bong lahore of that time. Just many, <laughs> many goals. Many, Alan many Smith goals. Alan Smith was the bong lahore of that time. You need to he keep talking, Sean. I need, to, I need I'll back you for this because you're on my team today, but I need to hear this. I need to hear this. No, he you guys don't remember that time when he was just scoring for fun. He used to get red cards all the time as well. I remember that all the time. Mm. Just used to, Is that uh, a good thing? <laughs> I mean, it, it, the streets will never forget. You never forget. <laughs> you never forget. That's short logic. <laughs> you never forget the red cards. Every yeah. single time I remember seeing him, he was either scoring or getting a red card. That's all I remember from his career. And that Leeds team as well. And that but... blonde, that ice blonde hair. I remember him very well. <laughs> that Leeds team of like Mark Viduka, Harry Kuehl, uh, Stephen yeah. Carr at the back as well. To pick. Getting to the... <laughs> no. I love it. Getting no, he to had character. Cup. Was it the Champions League semi-final as well they got to as well with Alan Smith up front? It was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so, yeah. I knew a lot of not saying to him. Just oh, yeah. No, he was a baller. He was a baller. It was like the last person I expected from your mouth to come out. I swear, <laughs> that was literally why. <laughs> if you know Sean, that's definitely the first person I'd expect. <laughs> you have to go for the untraditionals, man. You have to that's go for it. the untraditionals. 
not not because he said Alan Smith before, but because of Sean Logic. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I fully expect that. He scored. No, he was doing, he's doing bits. Nah, it's good, it good to see him. And the fact that he recovered from like a, a double leg break as well yeah. when he was at Man United and he came back and scored on his first start back against Roma in that 7-1 victory. I will never forget that because that celebration just running off and scoring. Mm. Like, he, he, was, he, was, he was a cult hero at that time just by coming back from that injury. Um, doing really well for Man United in that end of the season when we end up winning the league back again. So, yeah, Alan Smith will have him in there as well. Go on, go on Zim, this, this, this is your choice. You've had, you've had a bit of a wait just like me to choose. You've yeah. got Hotchus, so you've got probably one of the best ones possible. So I'd like to see who you've got to add to JJ Ochoa in your team. Um, yeah, so the, I guess definitely, obviously, I love Ochoa. That's my guy, especially as a, someone of Nigerian origin you know got us through the 94 olympics like just all-round quality guy went to bolton from 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 psg you mm. know like he didn't have to but like just shone and that was in a time where it was before stats you know it was it was yeah. more about like personality and mm. say quoi, you know for, for lack of a better term so he wanted, he wanted that Lancashire hot pot. That's what he wanted. That's <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course. He needed, he needed yeah. that Lancashire cuisine. That's literally why he went. Yeah, he, he he heard it was similar to a goosey soup in Nigeria. So he thought, <laughs> yeah, let's just have that. But um, so that was in that era. I'm gonna use an example of someone a bit later on. Um, and he just did not mix for fun. You know, he just sat defenders on their asses, on their bums, like you know for every day pretty much um and it is a flat player adulter wrapped it had to, mm. it, it had to be the way you're describing him it's like you're just building yeah, him up to, for like a wwe walkout <laughs> you're talking about like, it, drop. Boom. <laughs> th- there's that clip that you see all the time of him scoring against arsenal when it was in his first season of the uh full qpr premier league as well and that was fantastic as well when also he, like, guys can we talk stop talking about people with memories against arsenal <laughs> You just mentioned Alisson and Man United and you started the podcast. But no, Arsenal is what we, we love. We love it in terms of... Like, there'll be a couple of Arsenal players that I've got to mind as well. So hopefully they'll yeah. make our team. Yeah. But no, J, uh, JJ Koch and Adel Tarat, let's, let's have a little debate. Who would you rather have on your team? Out of those two? Out of those two. Who are you going for? Because I'm... Got slight, I'm I was going to say, slightly over Kocha of what he's me, done in the sure. game. But Tarat was just the... He was just like playing like he wouldn't be in the cages, like he wouldn't yeah. be growing up as well. He's someone that you could see enjoying in the championship the year before, especially under Neil Warnock uh, before coming into the Premier League as well. Yeah. Um, he's, he's still playing now, isn't question. he? Yeah, 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 he played Benfica. for Benfica and they yeah. just qualified yesterday as well, which is great. But in yeah. the Premier League, it was a breath of fresh air because we don't see many of those players come onto the scene where they're just there given a free role to play. Because as we've spoken about previously as well, I think Anthony will agree. A lot of number 10s nowadays, they don't have that uh, that luxury to kind of do yeah. what they want because they have to run back, they have to track back, they have to mark mm. someone, get into the, uh, their starting position again. And Neil Warnock just gave, gave him that free role and it was great to see him really do that in the Premier League and it was mm. fantastic to see him play. Yeah, a culture, but it's more... I think street football is different in different kind of parts of the world and where Adotarab grew up was different from a culture. And for me, I think you can just see like what it was like to grow up in Nigeria compared to was it uh, Tarap's Moroccan but he grew up in France isn't it I think yeah. he, he grew up in France so, so um yeah you can just see the differences and it's just about preference like I think he was incredible but I don't know Okocha had that rawness like anything goes like imagination of of tricks like very obvious feints 
but you still can't stop it. You know, it's, mm. it's, it reminds me of one of my uncles. So maybe it's just because I can relate to it. Mm. Imagine, like, just re- re- imagine one of my uncles playing football with his big belly, but just being really good. That's what a culture feels like. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's 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 I've never heard JJ Koch being described as like one of my uncles with a big belly. So <laughs> let's, let's, let's see how we get in terms of viewership from that. Yeah. Um, so that's the culture to wrap. We've got Alan Smith. Uh, I don't know. I, I might go for another another blonde guy, you know, Sean. And the one I'm thinking of, again, I hope it's not like an African versus blonde thing on, on our screen. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm going for um, it's not a racial thing, I swear. Um, but no, I think I'm going to go for Morton Gantz Pedersen. Is someone that mm. I quite I quite enjoyed to watch. And there was another blonde player that I will say, even if he doesn't make the team, I'll say him later on. But Morton Gaps better someone was someone who was very enjoyable to watch. He had a wand of a left foot. He was someone that a lot of the big teams were kind of courting in a way, but they never really got that deal over the line, scoring a really good free kick. Sorry, Sean, against Arsenal. Yeah. In, in that, <laughs> I in love that, it. No, in that 7-1 defeat. So they did lose 7-1, uh, Blackburn. But he did score a really good uh, free kick in there. He loved the goal against Manchester United and he loved the goal against Tottenham as well. But he was someone that would always uh, like to turn up on, on the left wing. He was kind of one of the first left wingers I saw from like a lower half uh, Premier League side, being like an introverted winger. So going on to the right-hand side, sometimes playing as a second striker as well. So uh, I think it was Sam Allardyce at the time. Um Steve Keane, again, was the manager around that time as well for Blackburn. Uh, There's probably one or two I've forgotten at the same time. But they gave him a lot of creativity and a lot of freedom because they knew he was that kind of player. And him coming alongside the likes of Junior Hoyler, Roque Santa Cruz, who I'll mention later on, because I thought he was a fantastic player at the time as well. Uh, but Morton Gaps-Pedersen, I've, I've to put him on my list as well. And I think he's still one of those really nice, uh, aesthetically pleasing type of players to watch as well. I think left foot players generally are, but Morton yeah. Gaps-Pedersen definitely yeah. I think he's still playing as well. And I remember like United were always linked with Pedersen, like mm. because like we needed a long term replacement for gigs. And I remember seeing his name always like linked with us. But yeah. yeah, as you said, it never happened in the end. But I think he should have gone on to another level after Blackburn. But I can't remember where he went after. Maybe he went back to Norway or something. But yeah, he was he was a great player in the Premier League. Yeah, so I mean, if anyone's listening and they have Morton Gamps Pedersen's info and you can get him on the podcast, please do, because I'd love to have a conversation about how long you practice his corners and his set pieces, because just fascinating to me as well. And at the time as well, you didn't really see many Norwegian players coming through um, in that era of the Premier League as well. I know Solskjaer had recently mm. retired. You'd have like uh, Breda Hangland from Fulham mm. coming in and Gamps Pedersen, but you didn't really see much of that. And now... You've got um, one of the biggest players in world football, a Norwegian footballer, and Erling Brandt Haaland as well. So, mm. Sean, are you happy with that pick for Morten Gaps yeah, Pedersen? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited. I love a left footer as well. So, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping your Alan next Smith. pick is I'm hoping your next pick is an Oblong guy because then it's just going to look so bad for us as well. Do you know, what? I've got two in it. One, I've got two, but we'll get to it. I've got two as well. Um, back to you, Anthony. Let's hear your thoughts on your third pick for your team. Can I go for Nanny or is that too mainstream? Is Nanny all right? Go for Nanny. Yeah, basically that 07 08 season when we bought Nanny, Anderson, Tevez, and I was just gassed. Hargreaves as well. That was such a good summer for us. And when I saw like Nanny, like he was billed as the next Ronaldo, and like the flair what he brought onto the pitch, a bit like Okocha, like he would show his personality, maybe in a different way. Like he was always billed as the next Ronaldo, but he managed to come to Old Trafford, even though maybe it was only for a few seasons when we really saw his best. But he had that flair where he could go either way. He could score like chip goals, goals from long range. I think it's those players where they just show imagination on the pitch and you never know what they're going to do next. 
Mm. I think it must be hard playing with them, but also playing against them, it must be like near enough impossible because he could go either way, right foot, left foot, or he could score from long range or do whatever he wanted on the football pitch. So I think those players, they're kind of coming out of the game because it's so tactical now and they're being like told like what to do at all times. Whereas like players like Nani, they just do what they wanted on the football pitch and you've got to let those players like do what they want because their flair can win you the game at any time. Yeah, I remember I remember points. another goal. Again, it's against Arsenal, so I am apologising again, Sean. You did it on purpose. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing this on purpose. He scored one amazing goal. It may have been an Almunia own goal, but do you remember how you just, how Anthony just mentioned about creativity and flair? And literally, when you mentioned those words, it triggered it in my mind. You remember that goal, that game when Man United played Arsenal and Nani was on the wing against Clichy. He went on the outside. He then did a little uh, chop and then he like tried to dink, dink it over Almunia. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if we've seen that in that day and age, that's being lauded as oh, one of the greatest things you'll ever see in modern football. But because it was against when flair plays were more hyped up than they are now, that was something special. But it's just one mm-hmm. of those things that a lot of people didn't get to appreciate at the time because it was always Ronaldo's left. Let's see what Nani can do to hit the numbers yeah. and the heights that Ronaldo did as well. And that mm-hmm. was very unfair. I think it was one of those things where because he was Portuguese, it worked against him in that way. Um, unfortunately, I was, gonna, I was gonna say that's the one thing I have against Nani is that I thought <clears throat> not his fault, but I feel like his game. If Nani came to the Premier League by himself with no Ronaldo, I think he'd have been bigger than what he like, than what he has become. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't know about him because a lot of a lot of things I've always heard about Nani is that he tries to be Ronaldo, and I don't think he tries to be Ronaldo. I just think it's his game is very similar to Ronaldo's, and a yeah. lot of people just always assumed oh he's just trying to be Ronaldo. Every single thing he just wants to be Ben. Like I remember there was the goal where Ronaldo chipped it over. And it was going in, and then Nani went and tapped in. <laughs> and, was always, and he was offside. And everybody's always oh, Nani, Portugal, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And everybody's always said, oh, Nani, Nani's this thing about, this thing about Ronaldo has always kind of been a blanket over his career, that he never got to be as big as he possibly could have been in terms of like being a flair player and all those things, because he was always just compared to Ronaldo in every capacity. Mm. Did you see that in the media as well, um, Anthony, as well, when you saw that with the Nani and and Ronaldo comparisons? Did you see that from, like, within the circles and stuff like that when people were writing about Nani? Well, I was was at college at the time, but, um, yeah, I think it was clear to see. I think Nani's also seen it. Like, I listened to, like, the United podcast with Nani on, and he said that he was always compared to Ronaldo when he wanted to be his own man, but because they were both Portuguese, they both came from sport in Lisbon, there was always that comparison. But I think he's shown, like, after going leaving United, he's shown wherever he's been that he's always performed. Um, and, like, Fergie used to rely on him in some games. And even, like, taking the penalty in the Champions League final, like, it showed his mentality that he was a good player. But it's a shame that he didn't hit those levels. But I still have him in my team because of his flair yeah. and his, his character. That's a good choice because I think, although he is fairly mainstream, people do sleep on him. Like mm. so, streets will never forget. I think that's a, an appropriate place to put Nani in. So yeah. And one last thing I want to add there because you mentioned something about being two footed. I'm going to change the subject, but we're going back to this straight away. Is mm. do you know the best two footed player I've ever seen? Is Usman Dembele at Barcelona. I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> he's doing really, he's doing really he well at the moment. Oh really my! Really I've never. Well. Yeah, he's he's crazy good. I never obviously because the has gone over now, and that's why now I watch Barcelona a bit more to see how he's doing. And watching Dembele, I don't even know why people booed him. I don't, I don't get mm. it. He's phenomenal. But He's on a free transfer as well this summer, isn't he? He is. Yeah. He is. Uh, three months ago, everyone was shaking their head at Dembele. Now, three months later, everyone's trying to get a signature. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Chavi said that, yeah. though. Chavi predicted that, to be fair. 
Yeah, Xavi's done wonders with him. And fair play to Xavi and to Usman Dembele as well. And fair play to Sean yeah. for shouting him out because he deserves a lot no. of credit as well. It's okay. He takes corners with any foot he wants, which is ridiculous. I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. Um, I, and I, when I say that, I don't even mean like it's a joke. He genuinely does. Like, you see him go to his left foot and they're like, actually, you know, right foot is better. And he'll just switch. <laughs> he does that with penalties as well. He did that at Rennes, which is crazy as well. Incredible. So we've got Tarat, we've got Akotcha, and now we've got Nani. So, Sean, we need someone someone to really boost up our team now as well, with Alan Smith and Morton Gamps Pedersen. We need, <laughs> um, we need like a firecracker or someone. I can't even lie to you. I'm the wrong person to boost the team because, you know, it's <laughs> going to be the most random players. But with this one, I'm actually going to go for somebody that I think was strong. Mm. Centre-backs used to struggle with him. And we're talking about Yakubi. Ooh. Yeah, like that. Yakubu Yak. Ooh. The, the yak. yak and he will score. Yeah. Him and Alan Smith up front, problems. Because Alan Smith will kick you in your chest and Yakubu will just move to you. <laughs> on, our social, on our social media, you and I are going to get laughed at so much for having Alan Smith and Yakubu up front. <laughs> Ridiculous. I get what I get your point of view. Believe me, I get it. But I know for a fact, like people will be like, why didn't you pick this person and that person? I had a couple of strikers in mind as well, which is great. And we've got six aside, so we've got three more to go for. But for me, I always remember Yakubu, rightly or wrongly, for that miss in the 2010 World Cup. And you're just seeing him stare down the, the, the face of the camera as well. Yeah. That was quite mm. sad. And it was one of those games in South Africa, like I'd finish school and I'd be get home for like the second half of the game. So it's like one of the mm. first things I saw on TV as well. I forgot who it was against. Uh, but you're just kind of there like, oh man, you see him doing it for Everton, for Portsmouth especially, when, yeah. he, when he comes to the team as well. Um, it's just one of those things that I wish a lot of people kind of well I could have seen how good Yakubu actually was as a striker how was yeah, he, he for is. how was he for Nigeria um, besides that obviously Tim did, did he do okay yeah, uh, yeah no, I mean generally um, he was respected like we, we've produced quite a few decent strikers um, like Agalu, probably the most recent in terms of um, of that generation um, Oshiman and yeah we've had like a long line Odem Wingy um, and yeah, Yakubu was definitely one of them. Um, I'm not sure like his goal record, but yeah, he's definitely respected. So it is a as as you say, it's a bit unfortunate that people remember remember that miss, like kind of forgetting the consistency he'd had in the Premier League, like ten plus goals for over five seasons. It's not it's not easy to do, especially as a, a foreign import. So um, yeah, he's Another respected as well. Yeah, exactly. Like Everton, you know, he 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 he, he held his way up, you know. Um, so yeah, Brilliant, deserves the credit. I'll back Yakubu in this team, Sean. We're, we're getting somewhere with Yakubu in this yeah. team. Don't worry, my son's a goalkeeper. Can <laughs> can back I've, I've got two blonde players. Again, not not a racial thing, and I've got someone <laughs> special. I want I want to mention as well. So I think Sean will be surprised by one of these mentions. But um, who are we next? Who are we at uh, next? Is it Zimstone next? Yes, yeah, my son. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, it was so interesting you mentioned Alan Smith because so it made me think of someone. I'm not going to choose him. It's just an honourable mention. But um, and speaking of Norwegian players, as you did before, John Arnarisa. Um, yeah. Apart from him being like a Liverpool player as well, the shot on him, like yeah. his shot broke Alan Smith's leg. How how's yeah. a shot breaking a person's leg? Not a tackle, a shot. The power was intense. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. Um, so like I think. The streets will never forget his, his shot power. Alan Smith certainly won't forget his, his shot power, to be fair. Um, but who I'm actually going to go for is uh, a very agile, nippy, Fulham player who I used to... I do, do you know what it is? I had a fixation on certain players 
from 2002 World Cup because of where it was hosted mm. and because of the culture that I was into very strongly at that time. And um, I think Inamoto, I think uh, Ooh, he, he, get, he gets slept on a lot. I think there haven't been many Japanese players uh, in the mm. Prem. Um, I think, yeah, he definitely like paved the way in a sense. I think at the moment, like, I can't put that. I think they've only had like a centre-back um, other than that. So Kagawa, Minamino. Yeah, uh, yeah, Minamino yeah. too. Um, but I'm sure like if you ask those players who they would like look to uh, back in the day, like Inamoto would be one of the first players like mm. in, on their list, as well as like Nakamura, Celtic. But um, yeah, for me, Inamoto did stand out. So yeah, that's, that's my choice. Anthony, do you remember anything about... Um, was it Yusei Inamoto, his first name? Uh, was that his first name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yusei yeah. yeah, Inamoto. Because he, he's someone that I thought literally walked so all of these other uh, uh, players, not just from Japan, but from the Far East, could actually run in the Premier League and in, and in European football after that World Cup in 2002. So do you have yeah. any kind of thoughts on uh, Yusei Inamoto, Anthony? Uh, was he at Fulham as well for a bit? Was it? Yeah, he was at Fulham, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I kind of remember him at Fulham. I can't... Did he play that much at Arsenal? I... I feel like he no. didn't really play. No, he didn't, did he? I do we bought him. He was big, yeah. yeah. But it's always good when players from different cultures come into the Premier League because, as you said, it does open doors um, for for their countrymen, basically. But, yeah, I've got no plans of that. I, I like Inamoto. So, we've got a good little midfield of Inamoto, Okocha, Nani on the wing. Yeah, agile. Shaping shop, up. Like, you know what I mean? Got, got the balance. <laughs> I don't know about you lot. Well, you got the balance for now. Yeah, guess, see, guess, who's, guess, guess who's adding balance to us now? Guess who's adding balance? It's my Go sense. On. My Go sense. On. I'm sorry, Sean wanted to say something before. I, I was going to say, let Nanny try to do a step over with Yakubu and a little bit around. Yakubu, Alan Smith, and my next one may get a few eyebrows risen when people are listening to this, but I'm going for Abu Diaby. I think Abu yeah. Diaby was Ola, one, the, one of the most slept Ola. on midfielders. Ola. Ola. One of the most slept on midfielders in Premier League. I agree. Uh, in the modern Premier League because he it's was injured all the time yeah, yeah. do you know what? I, I, I think my, sorry, this is well. my, my cousin who supports Arsenal he, we used to play football manager every weekend at his house yeah mm-hmm. and um, he used to like bang on about Diaby and I used to think he was taking the mick I thought because I thought he was just being biased he supported Arsenal I thought he yeah. was mocking it but then he said no I watched videos because I didn't actually watch him play I just heard he was always injured and he seemed mm-hmm. like just a generic, generic player mm. in midfield. His compilation is ridiculous. So actually watching him live properly would have been a joy. I didn't really watch him much, but looking back and how he bossed the midfield, just skipping past plays, flary as well. People sleep mm. on that for someone so like lanky and gangly. Great composure, great touch. Like, yeah, proper baller, proper baller. Uh, that, that was the time that I missed Arsenal because I'd had enough. I stopped watching Arsenal for like two, three years because every time he was injured, Arsenal weren't winning the league anymore. It was just too much. I mean, did they win the league with with Abu Diaby? Sorry, I called him Musa nope. Diaby. That's the nope. uh, Bayern Leverkusen winger. But Abu Diaby in midfield. But for me personally, um, Zim, we've talked about this previously as well. I think it was one, one of our watch-alongs when we, unfortunately, we don't really see a lot of black players being praised for their technical ability. But Musa, mm. Abu Diaby, not Musa <laughs> Diaby. Musa yeah. Diaby is that amazing winger at uh, Bayern Leverkusen. Abu Diaby was a former Arsenal and Auxerre midfielder who had very good technical ability. He can hold the play properly. He was a very shrewd purchase from Arsene Wenger. And if he had a really good um, fitness level and he wasn't injured all the time, 
him and Thomas Riziki would have been really, really good in that midfield. And Santi. Santi was okay. Uh, no, huh? Santi, Santi was a he couple was of very both I meant in terms of injuries. Like, oh, okay. He was out. Diaby was always out. Santi Cazorla played a lot more, I think, with, under the... Oh, league. I thought you meant that midfield would have been all right with those three. Nah, Santi Cazorla's an FA Cup winner. He could have won the league with you as well, which would have been crazy. But no, nah, I was a big fan of uh, Abu Diaby. Unfortunately, he was one of those players that ended up uh, leaving. I think he went to Marseille afterwards as well. Um, but Sean, this is kind of what I'm going to bring you in as well, because I just wanted to ask hmm. you, do you have any kind of big memories of Diaby, how he kind of played in big games? If you had any like memorable moments as an Arsenal fan, I just wanted to know a bit more from yourself as well. Like I played? said, that was... That was, you know, how you guys are in your slump now, and how you're feeling. When I got to this point, I stopped watching football because it was, <laughs> it was horrid. Like I'm never forget because every single season it was like we were just there. It was like we were just there, mm. but it was always oh we're paying off the stadium, we're doing this, and this is when Chelsea came to prominence. Mm. And so that was when I was just like, no, I can't watch Chelsea winning the league. I can't watch Chelsea doing this. So I just stopped watching football. So I missed Abu Dhabi and the glimpses that I got to see of him, he was brilliant. But he'd literally come one, two, three games, picking up form, injury, gone for six months. Come back, do the same thing, gone for another seven months. And it was just, it was just annoying. You never, you never got to see him have a consistent run. Because then also Fabregas kind of had the same issues. Santi had the same issues. Rosicki had the same issues. Podolski had the same issues. Did Every Haleb as well? Did Haleb Haleb had injury? Yeah. <laughs> we had so many players that were just consistently injured. And for some reason, Arsenal couldn't get anybody to function fully. And it was just like, we, that's one of the things that stopped us from going far during that time. Um, that was like off, after we'd gone invincible, after the only area of the Arsenal just done a rebuild and we thought, yeah, this team is good enough. But they just, they were, they were just not there. Yeah, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't great because, again, like even people like Fabregas had played one game. He came on as a sub against Aston Villa, scored two goals yeah. and got subbed off in the same half because you were literally that short on injuries. And yeah. uh, obviously, we've talked about the Eduardo injury, Van Persie having loads yep. of injuries as well at Arsenal. Yep. So it was never a great time, uh, no. time uh, under Arsenal Wenger at the Emirates for Arsenal as well. But, Anthony, I just want yeah. to know um, your thoughts on Abu Dhabi. And, like, does it kind of get annoying when you see loads of players getting injured as a reporter or as a journalist or even as an editor? Because I think he spent a total of 222 weeks mm. out, wow. of, out of the game, out of his career, being injured. Wow. And he had 42 different injuries as well. So does that kind of... Um, like correlate or translate to like um, the the journalists um, reading about that as well. Is that oh no? I think, yeah, I think journalists just feel sorry for them because obviously they're there to play football and like for them to be in the treatment room must be horrible. It's like a journalist mm. not being allowed to go and report on their local club. Like so, it's yeah, it's more sympathy than anything because they're not able to do their craft, which is just horrible. So yeah, you do feel sorry for them. Um, sometimes the players, they'll speak to the media about their injury agony and stuff. So it can be a good story for the media. But obviously, you just want everyone fit and healthy and be able to show their best form on the pitch rather than off it. Yeah. No, I can understand that completely as well. And it's just one of those things that it's just human nature. So I just kind of feel sorry for someone who's always injured as well. But yeah, um, we did tell you guys we're adding some steel into our, mid- into our team and having a bit more balance as well. So Abu Dhabi is making our team. And I think I'm going to give him the captaincy as well. What do you think, Sean? I agree with that. Deserve yeah, definitely. It. definitely. Right, who's got who's got the next pick for um, Anthony and Zim? I think it's Anthony, isn't it? So Zim, do you want to go first? You, uh, can, yeah, you can name your last two, by the way. So you can just name two. Okay. Yeah. So you can... Is it two each or just one each? One each to make up your uh, one side. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Zim, you go and then I'll go. Okay, cool. Um, mine is uh, Tottenham great 
<laughs> uh, if you could say that. Have they uh, had any greats? Honestly, <laughs> in my opinion, in my opinion, I think he's a very stepped-on midfielder. Um, he, he could dribble. He, I, I want you to guess who, I, who, who it Huddleston. is. No, 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 no. Dribbling, no, dribbling past anyone, like, press-resistant. Timu Tanyo. Nah, mate. Nah, it's Dembele. Composed. Uh. The most composed, like, in that position. Like, his dribbling skill and ability. You're used to seeing that, like, as one of the wingers or, like, one of the front three. Did that in midfield with ease. With ease. Like, I never mm. really see, saw him got like getting pinched off the ball. Um, very comfortable, very composed. And, yeah, Dembele, obviously, as a midfielder, give give our team a bit more structure because we've got a lot of flair. He has flair, but, you know, he, he starts it off from the back. So, yeah, I think that would be a good addition. To I like that. You, you, know what, you know what? I'm stumped at that. I'm stumped that I didn't think yeah. of him earlier because he was incredible. I would never let you put him on our team. I, I would put him on the team. I couldn't care less, Sean. I really couldn't. I'd have put him in that team as well. He'd have been fantastic. But Anthony, I just want to know: was there any was there any truth to that link of uh, Musa Dembele from Fulham to Manchester United before he went to Tottenham? Do you reckon there was any truth in that? Because he would have been quite a yeah. quite a problem solver for a lot of our midfield problems that we had at the time. Yeah, I think that was a bit before my time in journalism. But because of how strong the reports are, I'm sure there was some truth into it. And yeah, as you said, he's a fantastic player. And like whenever you read. Tottenham players who they say was the best player they played with, they all say Dembele. So and Pochettino that, said it as well. One of yeah, so whenever they say that, you know he was like they could have named mm. anyone, but like Harry Kane or they always say Dembele. So that shows that he was such a top class talent in midfield for them. Yeah, I had the luxury of seeing uh, Dembele play, I think twice when Man United played Tottenham. And in one of the games, we beat them, no, in two of the games, we beat them 1 0. But it's because Dembele was literally running the show against our midfielder like Michael Carrick, Paul Pogba under Herrera. Mm. Um, sometimes I think the second time he played against us in a home game, we've had a 5-3-2 formation as well because of how Dembele gets in and out of these pockets of spaces, how he can take on a player just by a feint or a shoulder drop and just mm. by flicking his, his left foot around. And wonder the left foot as well. Amazing passer, amazing weight of passer as well. Um, so Sean, I was gonna I, if I could remember Musa Dembele, I would have put him in my team. But Zim, I think you just cracked it there. Yeah, man, so enjoyable to watch. That's the thing. He passed the eye test, and yeah, like his ball retention, top notch. Um, you know, I was really envious of that Tottenham midfield. Like they had Modric, they had like they had a lot of ballers, and you're just like these are players that you'd associate with Man United of mm. of yesteryear. Mm. Um, but yeah, Dembele before he went to Tottenham at Fulham. I just I saw a lot of potential, but sometimes it doesn't translate to when you go to a bigger team. But clearly, it did with Dembele, and I think um, Tot- Tottenham's recruitment was excellent at that point because Modric going on to Real Madrid and doing what what he did. Like I think it's just test testament to the fact that yeah, Dembele playing alongside you know was of of levels. Like I can see him being in Real Madrid and. Being of a of a good enough sta- standard, good enough caliber, which yeah. is testament. So, yeah, definitely. Now, one thing that annoyed me the most, I think he left in that January. Did he? Did he leave in that January after they had the Champions League final as well? It's one of those things. Uh, yeah, it might yeah. have been. So it's one of those things where we went to China. I'm just that one more European club. Yeah. Seeing him in the Champions League would have been really good. Kind of like with uh, Vatonga at Benfica. It would have been really good to see him in a, another European league, consistently mm. at, at a top mm. level as well. That was something that really annoyed me about them, but. Fantastic player. Again, like Zim said, just passed the eye test repeatedly, which is great. Um, 
Anthony, you got the joy of finishing off your team for your yeah. um, six side of streets. We'll never forget. Who are you going to go for? So I'm going to add some more flair into our, our team, and I want some South London influence. Like I'm you from need South it. London. Like you yeah. need more flair. So team. I'm going to add Crystal Palace, former Crystal Palace winger Yannick Balassi to our team. Ooh. More flair, yeah. more character, more personality to put onto the pitch. I remember that Chris Stambul game because I was there covering it for the media and that thrill when he just roasted Glenn Johnson. And some of the skills he used to pull out, I remember watching a match today, they always said like he never knew what he was going to do next and that his teammates must find it awkward to play with. But I know for a fact that his teammates love playing for him with him. And if he didn't get that injury for Everton, I remember when he'd done it against United, actually, which basically crocked his career in the Premier League. But... Mm. I just think he had so many different levels to go up and above. But for some reason, obviously, that injury put his career in the mud a bit. But now he's playing in Turkey. But I just love what he done because he got bums off seats. And that's what you want when you pay to watch a football yeah. match. You want people to excite you. And the way he done with his natural ability and his skill, I think, was second to none, basically, in the Premier League at that time. I think we're done out here, Sean. I think, we're do- I think we can't pick two people that can overcome the flair that they have in this team. And if they were to be in a six-a-side cage with us, unless we pick two really good players, I think we're done before we even get started. So. <laughs> sure, uh, I'm going you know to let you start because I've got all of, like I said, I've got all these blonde players in my man. <laughs> yeah, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. You know what? Yeah, I was actually going to go for a goalkeeper, but I don't think I can go for the goalkeeper. We can't put a goalkeeper in. Nah. We can't put a goalkeeper <laughs> in. <laughs> I was thinking of Alex or Gail Clichy, but I'm like, these lot will just nah. get turned inside of out. This is not um, one. Somebody that had flair. Oh. Uh, Dimitri Payet, he comes to mind. Nah. Mitu comes to mind. He's a proper streets will never get type player. Um, Ida Johnson is a very intelligent player. I thought he was great player to, to play. Uh, there's one guy that... Andre Arshavin? No, he used to play for P- for PSG. He used to play for PSG, and they used to hate him. And I, I think League he guy. was. I think he did come to the Premier League, but I don't remember when he'd come to the Premier League. Ben Arthur. Uh, ben Arthur. Oh, Ben Arthur. Ooh, Hatem. Ben Arthur. Hatem. Baller, baller, big yeah. baller. We got, we got some, we got some. And EDN suburb. Ah, uh, the, the uh, Paris Arthur, suburbs. Yeah. They've got a real fertile, like, um, like gr- ground. You know, in terms of breeding, like talent. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's the same with South London, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's true. Recently, yeah. though, recently, I was saying. Go on, go on, Sean. Yeah. Talk to us about yeah, no. Ben Arthur. Ben Arthur, I would definitely put him in the team because he was something else. Because that team, that's how many was in Newcastle. Mm. Ridiculous. I've never seen a player carry a team, a player, player carry a team with that stature. And he did it. He used to have them on his back. He was, I remember he just used to cause me problems, cause me stress. Mm. Why? Yeah. Was he part of that 4 4 team as well? I think so. Yeah, with Czech Tiote scoring that winner. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Rest in peace. Czech Tiote was another, yeah, that was another baller as well. But yeah, no, he was, he just used to, he was, back then, he kind of used to do what, um, I say Maximan does now. Mm. Say Maximan has another baller as well. Like, literally before, yeah, he was, and everybody to this day still of him has been Arthur. Like, ballers that I've watched him play will literally say, yeah, Ben Arthur was something that was, and he should have gone to a better team. He should have gone to the Arsenal's and Man United's, the Chelsea mm. of that time. Um, but I think PSG ruined his career, I think, for me. 
He's at he's at Lille at the moment as well, the champions of yeah. France at the moment. So it's just it's one of those things that like Adel Tarat, you see him in one of these teams thinking, Oh, he's actually doing okay for himself. But it's a squad player and there's not one of the main men there as well, which isn't yeah. something to be that, fair, when when we had Emery at Arsenal, he we played against Lille and mm. he was on, on the team, on their team. And even still today, he's I wouldn't forget that game because obviously he has a little bit of a, of a war with Emery yeah. and he took the mick out of the Arsenal players. <laughs> And you mm. could tell he wanted he wanted to cause damage that game. He wanted violence. He wanted violence. violence. No, that's, that's that's crazy. I've got I've got one. I've got a couple to kind of add to the list, like I mentioned. But who have you got? We've got Walter Gauts Pedersen, got Alan Smith, got Hatem Benafa, and then Yakubu. So we've got four. And then we've got, who's our fifth one that I mentioned before? Um, Diaby. Diaby. Who's the Diaby? Uh, so yeah. We got we, we don't need a defender because they haven't got no. any defenders, so we need to go all out. All out attack. I think I think I'm gonna stick for I'm gonna I, I'm gonna try to add some players to this because I was thinking of Demba Bar. I thought Demba Bar was a great player to yeah. to watch at Chelsea and at Newcastle and not really at West Ham to be fair, but Newcastle especially where you came into the Premier League. I always appreciate that when a player comes from like a team like Hoffenheim or from Hamburg or Auxerre, they come into the Premier League and they actually hit the ground running. So it's, it's always fascinating to see that, and I do appreciate that. Um one player that I, I did like, like I mentioned, Lauren Robert, uh, again, Newcastle players are always coming into my mind. It was good to see them as well. Amezaki from Wigan, he deserves an honourable mention for that first season he came into the Premier League. It was great to see him play. Um, but I think I think the player that I'm going to go for, it's not Rory Delap. It's definitely not Rory Delap because you don't need long throw-ins on a six-side <laughs> pitch as well. Uh, nah, I'm, I'm stuck. Who are we going to go for, Sean? I'm going to give you two options. I'm going to go for Ida Johnson as one. Or Sid knows I love him. Ida Johnson was a, was a sick player as well. Or we're going to go for <laughs> Dimitri Payet to bring up half left. Do you know what? I'm linking, to, I'm, I'm linking towards Payet, but Johnson was just something... Even when you saw him at Stoke, he was a fun yeah. player to watch. He was a very intelligent player. And Mourinho appreciated him as well. Uh, Tony he Cruz was as well. such a tapid merchant as well. He was that guy that would get you goals. Exactly. And he went to Barcelona in their prime years as well, playing with Henri, yeah. Ronaldinho, Messi, won the Champions yeah. League with them. Incredible player. But... Put it down for the Icelandic community. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Zim knows how much I love the Johnson. I'm, I'm going for the Johnson. But I'm thinking of Payet. You know, Do you know the thing about Payet, yeah? Because come to the six or five game, imagine half time and he wants to leave. I can't be having that. <laughs> <laughs> can't be having that. Oh, my days. But I'm just thinking of the matchup. Balassi. Tarat Akotcha. Oh, you lot are getting roasted. Yeah, oh, we've already You if, lot are getting destroyed. If, if we bring Paya in, if we bring Paya into this, it's not that bad, if you know what I mean. You lot are gonna look at our team and just say, nope, it's over. It's okay. <laughs> it's GG. You not, at all. Back into the not at all. Not at all. I'm oh, telling man. you now, bro. Tell Nanny to do a step over. I, 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 I dare you get Nanny to do a we'll, step over. We'll bring Jamie Carrigan. He can break his leg again and be like, no, nah, it wasn't my fault. Do you know what? Yeah, let's go. Let's go Payet. Let's go as long as he's not leaving. That's in his contract. He's not leaving. He can't leave. <laughs> he can't leave. He, he, he can do as many game. skills as he wants. He can take he a free kick time. if he wants. <laughs> Indirect free kick. Honestly, <laughs> half time. Guy wants to go. No, I can't be having that. So just to start from the back, we've got Pedersen, Diaby. We've got Yakubu, Payet. Mm. Um, Alan Smith. Alan Smith. And Ben and Ben Arthur. So Alan Smith is breaking legs. Ben Arthur, Payet, as for the flair as well. It's great. But I think 
I think if we put this as a poll, I think Zim and Anthony may have won this because they got even even like Dembele just could, took me by surprise. Like, how the hell did I forget him? That's uh, a Zim, great yeah. shout. a great that shout. Was a great shout. Zim, do you want to read out your team for us just so we can get that confirmed? Yeah. So yeah, got uh, Dem- Dembele, got Inamoto, uh, got Adil Tarap, and then on Anthony's end, got Akocha. Um, who else you got? We got Balassi. And who's the other one? Nani. Oh yeah, Nani. Yeah. Nani. How can I forget? <laughs> oh man, no, we're, 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 we've got rinsed before we walked on the pitch. But Honorable that's, mention that's... as well to um, Lua Lua. Um, I, I was the big biggest fan because I feel like he had no end product. But in mm. terms of just pure flair, mm. <laughs> creativity, we can use with the spirit of his flair in our team on top of the flair we've already got. So you guys will just be bamboozled. And um, man, yeah. he can yeah. be player manager. Player manager. <laughs> we'll have we'll have like two guy as our player manager as well. Ah, I'm a two guy. Those banging shots. Oh man, it's always these teams like Blackburn and Middlesbrough and yeah, if that have these streets, uh, we forget it's it's great. And I think again, we'll have like a part two of this coming in the future because there's so many players that we didn't give their flowers to, and there's yeah. so many players just outside the Premier that we can we can do as well. So um, just behalf on, on myself, thank you everyone for participating. It's great fun. But realistically, Sean, I think we're done. I think, I think, I'm no, hoping, I it's, so. more, it's more hope than expectation, I think. But last, the way Anthony just rolled out off the tongue, Balassi, Okocha, and Nani as well. <laughs> yeah, you shot shot yourself in your foot with, with Alan Smith to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> no, Alan Smith is signing off. He's smoky. You guys are not ready for Alan Smith. Alan Smith. You guys don't remember. This is the thing. The streets have forgotten. You went back to midfield when you went to United, bro. You went from bro, a striker. He's a, a, he's a midfield striker. He's a midfield. He was, was the original number 10. The original number 10. Uh, <laughs> midfield striker. Crazy. No. Absolutely crazy. But no, my, my jaws are hurting from laughing and smiling as much as this is incredible. Um, but no, Anthony, um, just before we leave, I just wanted to ask you um, just one more, one more question as well, just in, in terms of from the Athletic as well. Um, just for everyone kind of listening as well, um, if they are interested in like sports journalism and how to get into it, um, for a person of colour, do you think it's now probably the best stage more than ever to kind of get into sports journalism, how, to, uh, how they're kind of opening doors for a lot more people as well? Because we spoke to uh, a British Asian uh, journalist, Shamoon Hafez, previously, and he said the same kind of things. So I just wanted to see yeah. if it was kind of on the same lines as well for a lot of more uh, diverse writers and journalists to come into the game at this moment in time. Yeah, when I got into sports journalism, I looked up to Darren Lewis because he was the only person of colour really reporting on, like, for a national newspaper on the sports pages. Yeah. I went to the SGA Awards uh, two weeks ago and there were so many black people there. It was so good. Not even just black people, Asian people, um, females so like sports journalism is a very like white industry but I think it's definitely changing like even at the athletic we've got multiple different like black reporters we've got female reporters we've got Asian reporters so it's definitely changing but I think we need more people to study sports journalism because like we need the talent there we can't just rely on having people there just for the sake of it like we need to be good we need to be at the top of our industry as well so it's so good to see so many different people at the SJ Awards last two weeks ago. So I think, yeah, it's definitely changing, but there's still room for it to improve. Like, you want to go into a newsroom and you want to see different people because people of colour are buying these 
publications, they're buying these newspapers, so it shouldn't just all be white people working in them. So I think yeah. it's definitely good. It's, it's changing, and that can only be good for the paper and for us as as black people and as Asian people. Brilliant. Really well put and really well worded as well, Anthony. So thank you very much um, for that as well. So anyone listening out there, um, if you're looking at getting sports journalism, literally just don't take the fact that you're a different colour, a different ethnicity, different religion as an excuse not to do it. Just go in for it. Mm. Because like I said to Anthony before, we've got two pretty good journalists in, in the in the wings and one probably not. And it's for Anthony to decide which one is and which one is <laughs> as well from the three of us as well. Uh, which is also great. just quickly if anyone needs to contact me my linkedin's open or like twitter dms like i'm willing to give advice because like, i had role models in the industry like darren lewis who helped me get into the game so i'm more than willing to like open a few doors if i can brilliant we'll pop oh, that in our description you. as well so sean the future's there for you the future's there the future's there man definitely gonna be it's definitely gonna be done but um uh before we'll we leave far. before we leave um zim sean do you have any closing messages um before we wrap up the podcast from either of you, football-wise, Man United-wise, Arsenal-wise? Yeah, Man United are going to win the league next season. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying that for five years. <laughs> yeah. No, you Zim, guys are on a good run. Zim was just unmoved from that. It's like, I've had enough of this guy for one evening, literally. It's <laughs> <laughs> missed yesterday. I haven't stopped. Oh, my days. I, the fact that I was at the game yesterday, I'm just there like, nah, my heart just sunk when that goal went in. Crazy, absolutely oh. crazy. They um, wasted so much time as well, didn't they, Atletico? They're yeah, so they, annoying. In, oh. the, in the last half an hour, they only played 11, 11 minutes of ball walking time. Mm. Crazy. Yeah. And the referee but, added on four minutes. Which is Do you know what? I've always said this to Zim. I know Atletico's method of football is not a football fan's dream, but for Atletico fans, it works. It was, oh, yeah. it, it, and you can see it in all of the fans and the players. They're all the same, man. They've Simeone all rubbed off of them so much. You can see, like, that Llorente guy, he's... I don't even want to <laughs> say stuff on this podcast, but he, he's the worst, man. Like, I, oh, my gosh. I, he infuriates me. It's, it's <laughs> I swear. And you can tell he's not a buy. He didn't grow up like that, but he, he's been fed in by Simeone's propaganda. Now he's the worst. Yeah. And then all that, the, the Costa guy, whoever... Tattoos think he's bad. He's not bad, and all their fans <laughs> as well. You could tell they were just moving. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he was. They weren't like this before. But for ten years ago, no one know, knew who they were. Him running off the pitch mm. at the end, yeah, for me was the bit of literally him just sticking that needle in even further and just being like, "You can't touch me," because yeah. yeah. he, in his mind, he knew what he had done. Yeah, he, he knew yeah. exactly. The, the bottles were at him still. So, yeah. yeah. It was another Mourinho me. moment, weren't it? Really, yeah, the way much, he was yeah. running yeah. down the touchline. Yeah. They're the same. Both, both times and both legs, he never shook hands with Ragnik or the staff. He just ran off, just ran off yeah, into the tunnel. He Apparently, he never shakes he hands. He, he doesn't yeah. do that in general. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Gary Neville said yeah. it one time, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that just wasn't great because he was a Valencia coach at the time." And I was like, "Yeah, it was just crazy when no, he, he, like Gary he is a proud guy like Gary Neville as well." Just being like, "Oh, didn't shake hands with me, no chance." Literally, <laughs> never the one. He grew up in the streets, yeah. but he just he, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. Like, yeah. he's actually he's the worst. Very much. <laughs> Uh, but I watching that game yesterday, even as an Arsenal fan, although I was happy to see you guys lose, I thought if when Arsenal get to Champions League next season and we're facing this kind of teams, it's going to bug me because you just it's just one goal you needed to get the game rolling and you mm. just can't get it because they will not let you have any playing time. That's they will the not let you get for the rest of the game. Yeah, the they will not let you play any football. And the thing is, you can't go full blast against them because they hit you on the counter. They've got the, they've got the squad to do it. Yeah. They are frustrating, very frustrating. Definitely. 
Um, one, one thing I would say just before we wrap up is if you do have any free time uh, during the week, I'd say watch, if you can, just highlights of the Conference League and the Europa League because there are some hidden gems and hidden ballers in there as well. Because I mentioned earlier on the podcast, Musa Diaby from Bayern Leverkusen. And I think he's, some, mm-hmm. he's someone quite special and I'd like to see a lot more of him. And I think it'd be, I think he'd work really well if, again, for example, Mohamed Salah were to leave Liverpool and he were to come to Liverpool and become another winger um, in that Jurgen Klopp system as well. I think it's fantastic and it's someone that I think a lot of our viewers should watch out for. So, um, Interesting yeah. one. Yeah, there's a lot of, it seems to be a lot of Diabis and Dembele's. That's a football heritage surname, Diaby <laughs> and Dembele. And Smith. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and Smith. Yeah, well, that's a heritage name everywhere. It's Most common surname in England. So. <laughs> Crazy, literally. Um, but no, uh, Musa Diaby, everyone watching, watch Bayern Leverkusen because I think they're quite fun to watch as well. And Rangers have been quite fun to watch as well in the Europa League as well. I'm saying Europa League a lot because that's where Man United are going to be next season. So I'm mentally preparing myself for where we're going to be. <laughs> You guys are really going to put Cristiano Ronaldo in the Champions in the Europa League. Uh, he won't be. There, he'll be gone. He'll be gone. <laughs> he's, 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 not, he's not allowed to play in. The but Europa do you know what? You guys need to do that. You guys need to get rid of a lot of players. Hundred uh, percent. We've been saying it for years. To be fair, a clearance always uh, needed, but you'll get. I, like, do, I don't know how you Jones I've getting contracts. To, Crazy. We, I remember when I found out that Phil Jones was still at your club, and I was like, "Why is, <laughs> why is he still there? <laughs> On a high contract as well." Crazy. Even yeah. Matter coming on yesterday, it's like yeah, I didn't belongs know, in two thousand and eight, two thousand and ten. Like uh. when I saw Matter coming, I was like, I thought you retired this season. Like, that's, yeah. that's the thing. Matter was a streets for will never forget player at Chelsea, that's and then yeah. he was done after twenty nineteen at Man United because Solskjaer just never played him and never rated him. Should have moved yeah. on. I love Juan Matter for who he was and what he's done for Man United up until a certain point. Then you just mm. outstay your welcome. Um, yeah, no. Nah. You yeah. do not need to do a clear out. That's what you need. Definitely. Um, but on our podcast, we like to end on a positive note. So if anyone has anything positive to say, have Arsenal just so scored? We nearly scored. We nearly okay. scored. Okay. We're actually all over them. It's actually a very even game. Good man. Good man. Um, but a positive thing I would say is um, literally just everyone looking forward to um, reading The Athletic. Have a look at what Anthony's doing at The Athletic. It's fantastic to see uh, what they're doing in sports journalism. And I think it's groundbreaking, to be fair, as well. The fact that you're being brought out by The New York Times is something special as well. And Hopefully, this will bridge the gap for a lot of new people coming into the sporting industry. So that's mm. my closing message um, for our special guest, Anthony, today. So thank you very much for your time, Anthony. I do. No, thanks. It. Thanks for having me. It's been great. I've enjoyed it. No, I'm, gl- I'm glad you've enjoyed it. And like I said, there's, there's two of us waiting in the wings that are pretty good and one of us isn't. So it's just down to you to see <laughs> which, which one's good at writing as well. Ah. But no, Zim, Sean, as always, it's a pleasure to speak to you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Pleasure. Yeah, pleasure, man. Thanks for having us. As always. Now, I'll see you guys later in, in soon. And hopefully I get to see you guys in the summer as well. Uh, in the summer, I'll come down uh, the other side yeah. of the river into, into South London with my passport as well. Do you know what? We should do a, a summer transfer thing. We, we should do that a summer transfer thing, but I've, I've got one better. I think, Anthony, if you want to join in, that would be fun. I think we need to have like a proper football challenge. I mentioned it on the weekend in terms of like a proper, like a crossbar challenge for like people, for like podcasts and stuff. I I'll think that would be quite fun. You see all of these like little YouTube videos and some really big ones for like um, YouTubers when they do crossbar challenges, hire out a goals pitch for like an hour, get a couple cameras down. It'll be fantastic. And that's something I really want to do this summer as well because there's no European tournament, no World Cup until December. I think that would be great. Um, Sounds good to me. And I'm going to be found out for being like a, a crap version of Part G Sun as well. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> very specific. But now, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Everyone, thank you very much for listening to our second series on the Beautiful Mind Game podcast where we focus on mental health, 
everyone supporting Man United, uh, literally check in with a therapist every week because you'll need it for the rest of the season. Take care and bye.